Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Straight Talk Radio, where we discuss business, politics, and culture. This is Donia Keating. I'm your host. I'm coming to you live from the Seattle area. It's about 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Wednesday, December 8th. If you are listening live and want to join the conversation, the number is 563-999-3516. Um, CJ is working the board in the chat, so we'll fold in relevant uh, thoughts or, or questions or whatever. And um, today's episode is about bosses and leaders. It's a conversation. Uh, This is our first podcast since, I want to say, May 2020, where we actually did a show about COVID, um, and um, I accepted an appointment to our city's ethics board a few months after that, and we decided to take a break because there just wasn't enough time and, you know, didn't want to do any shows or cover any uh, topics or individuals that someone out there might, you know, weaponize us having some type of a, um, a subjective slant or anything. So here we are. Um, what brought me out of temporary hibernation was a LinkedIn post, and it was flagged for my attention about three weeks ago. And after I read it, I knew I had to do a podcast, um, and I actually wanted to bring the person on today who wrote it, but a few things fell through on that, and I decided to talk about it anyway because, you know, leadership and strategy consulting are part of what my firm does anyway. Uh, before I get into that, I'm going to check with – it looks like we have somebody out here, so that's great. Let's see. Hello. Hello. Hi, Charles. I'm Charles Keating. Hi, Hi there. Well, <laughs> so so I've, do you I've want to – Contributor, yes. Right. I can just so I was going to say, it's been a I'm long a, time, a, so – it's been a while, so why don't we just take a minute to um, refresh people as to who you are, and then we'll go from there. Um, I run a technology consulting firm, and I also run a local technology association, and have been very deeply involved in community and, I guess, politics as well uh, for quite a long time. So uh, leadership is... So that's a show for another time, but you actually also just expanded your firm. We can talk about that another day. But um, So for me, um, there was a graphic with Brian's post. Brian's the person who uh, posted on LinkedIn. And so the graphic, um, to try to describe it, it had like the background was a lot of different Barbies. And it read, trying to control people often backfires and can lead to destructive behaviors like watching Barbie movies for 96 hours straight. So um, that grabs your attention a little bit, and the uh, Barbie thing is certainly intriguing. Um, So I read it, and I'm going to um, read the post in its entirety and then uh, focus on the parts that resonated with me. So here's the post. During a recent conversation with my younger daughter, a brand-new college freshman, she told me she and her buddies would be having a movie marathon the next couple of weekends. I hesitated to ask the subject matter, not sure if I wanted to know. She blurted out, we're going to watch all the Barbie movies. Well, 
okay. <laughs> that was a little unexpected, but refreshingly benign. Turns out one of the young ladies had complained that she was never allowed to watch Barbie movies growing up. Both of my daughters love them, and we still have the first 25. Did you even know there were that many? Oh, yeah, there are. Actually, there are 37 of them. And if you didn't let your kid watch them growing up, there's a pretty good chance they'll spend two entire weekends watching every single one of them just as soon as your control over them is gone. It's just how these things go. There's nothing a newly free young person loves more than all the things that had previously been forbidden. Choosing forced control over educated guidance breeds resentment, rebellion, and sometimes a destructive curiosity. It's true in every situation, not just with our kids. It's true in a professional setting as well. Suppose you are a boss who needs everything done your way instead of allowing people to use their own initiative and guiding them through their small mistakes. In that case, you might find the results much less favorable than you probably anticipated. Give people the tools they need to make good decisions. Because my way or the highway makes highway look pretty darn good to your average human being. Trying to control everything is simply not sustainable. You might be able to do it for a while, but sooner or later, that person you thought you'd locked down is probably going to metaphorically lock themselves in a room and watch Barbie movies for about 96 hours straight. And they'll do it for no other reason than you said they can't, but now they found that they can. So uh, I, I'm going to give some thoughts about what grabbed me in that. But I want to get your thoughts about that first, Charles. What did you think about that um, that piece that Brian wrote? Well, first off, 96 Barbie, hours of Barbie movies sounds really scary. Um, <laughs> and I had no idea there was that many of them. But I, I, get, I, I agree. Um, if you lock things down too much, um, you're going to create rebellion. And you're also going to create a lot of inefficiencies because people – that might have a different way of doing things or even a better way of doing things um, aren't given an opportunity to allow you to help your business do what it needs to do, you know, interact with customers, manage data, you know, provide a service, um, whatever, whatever it is. Um, I think there's a, a fine line you always, you know, I think it's good to have policies and to have procedures and to figure out how to do things. Everybody's not inventing a new path but you've got to be open to allowing new paths to be created. I think that's a good balance. I think what, what I really liked about um, what was written is about the issue of forest control over guidance. And it's interesting because in the work that I do, you see a lot of people who lead from ego and they have this perception that they have to be the smartest person in the room at all times and they, they guard or they hoard information to their own detriment, detriment in order to make sure that they're still the person on top. And the reality is that you're, you're never that person on, on top. I mean, if you're, if you're trying to lead, um, you're really trying to make sure that you're taking care of your best customer, which is really your employee. Employees, and then they in turn will help you to take care of your your customers who, to whom you're providing your your products and services. And you certainly should give people the tools that they need to make you know good decisions, which I really liked about um, you know what Brian said. And obviously, this isn't splitting the atom. I mean, there are plenty of discussions about bosses versus leaders out there, or managers versus leaders. And I'm of the opinion that there is rarely, if at all, any new data out there. I mean, most of it is reminders, um, things we've temporarily forgotten or 
perhaps it's about like iterating and coming up with better and more effective strategies for inspiring others. Um, but what's interesting, um, what I notice is that the most negative, short-sighted, or limited characterizations are generally attributed to bosses or managers, and then leaders and leadership, you know, are distinguished as you know, the holy grail is being visionary and always on point and a servant mindset and, you know, those who value the art of hiring to smart people and getting getting out of their way, like the, the Steve Jobs thing. You know, I you know hire smart people and, and let them tell me what to do and get out of the way. So um, I'll go on a little bit, but I wanted to stop to get some feedback from you on that. Well, one of the things I, I noticed is, um, and I've been paying a little more attention to it over time, is that there are some generational differences in leadership. And um, boomers and, and, and Gen Xers, you know, there was uh, a blurring of work-life balance when technology came of, of, to the forefront late in boomers' careers, but certainly in Gen X careers, where they didn't have a work-life balance. And yet there's a lot of pushback, you know, from millennials and Gen Zers you know, into this, well, work has to drive everything we, we do in the world. And so I think that's re- leading to this whole, um, you know, kind of die-off. And, and my clients, I guess, over time, some of them I see as very traditional where people have really normal work hours, and other times it seems like it's, uh, it, the lines get blurred. But it really depends on the career, and um, I can see where people who are working virtually and stuff like that have a real problem having work-life balance. You know, it's interesting you bring up the generation thing. I read something, I want to say it was um, Business Insider not that long ago, and it talks about the typical Gen Zer who uh, they quit their jobs, they have over $17,000 in student debt, but they're they're really significant influencers to you know nearly everything that we're buying out there. And um, they're setting trends in not only fashion, but in the workplace, and they're influencing consumer and worker behavior and they're they're on track really for uh, dominating the economy over the next 20 years and so it's it's really interesting to watch you know how they operate and so i i kind of juxtapose that with um, another article that i saw and i saw it i think yesterday um on linkedin again where it said that americans keep quitting their jobs you know they're quitting their jobs at close to record pace and there are like 4.2 million people who abandoned their positions in October, um, according to the overall U.S. workforce. And it really kind of goes back to, obviously, I think a lot of this has to do with COVID and, you know, what have you. But I think a lot of it has to do with how people are running their businesses and how they're leading. And, um, you know, if you have a situation where you're not paying people enough or, you know, they feel like the risk uh, in working for you is too high um, or, you know, your, your environment, your conditions aren't, aren't uh, you know, above board or you're not protecting them. More importantly, you're not protecting them from, from some unreasonable public demands. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, back and forth about COVID-19 and, and masks and, and, and protocols and, and exposing people who are working generally um, not necessarily well paid. Um, and, and they're saying they've had enough. So, you know, people would rather just stay home and stay safe, you know, such as it is, than to work. So we're kind of seeing, I guess, the manifestation of some of those memes and articles out there about bosses versus leaders. And, and maybe in those uh, situations, it, it might be applicable. You know, I tend to think that it's a little bit more um, myopic than that, and, and 
very absolutist, but in those cases, I could see where um, that would apply. So, um, in my work, I think you know when I look at this bosses versus leaders and managers versus leaders, there are some rather influential and well-known leaders um, who they are certainly. Um, very admired, they're educated, they're highly skilled leaders, they have well-calibrated emotional intelligence, but they can be just as guilty of missteps and compromise, um, and they can, you know, you know, they can endanger governments or agencies or academic institutions or, you know, significant public policy and initiatives or even, you know, Fortune 100 enterprises. And if that's leading from ego or, like I said earlier, hoarding information, uh, then it's a missed opportunity because I think that there's a, there's a benefit to creating a culture where everyone is geared towards asking themselves the right questions and constantly improving. Do you have any thoughts on I that, Charles? I certainly agree with that. Yeah, no, I, I certainly agree with that. Um, yeah, there there is a culture. There's certainly some very significant leaders and um, – they come from different stripes. Some of them are so motivated and eat, sleep, and breathe work, you wonder if uh, they're going to have a life outside of their work. And um, not all of them are like that. It's really kind of a mixed bag. I, I wonder to what degree when they talk about how many Americans are quitting their jobs, a lot of those people quitting jobs are in low-paid service uh, worker positions where there's no health care benefits or very limited benefits. And I think the whole idea of, you know, here's COVID, you're exposing workers to, you know, situations where they could get sick, and if they have no benefits, why would they want to be in that position? So I think really part of this realignment to the American economy is because, you know, we have high-wage and low-wage jobs, and, you know, the middle class, middle tier of uh, positions have, have been, been reduced somewhat, especially manufacturing. And as a result, there's a lot of people working in positions in service that are not well paid, and they don't want to do that anymore. And I can't say that I blame them. And yet there's also other people in other positions. So not everybody's in that same, you know, in that same umbrella. So um, I think we've got to be sensitive to that. And uh, it's not just bosses' leadership styles, but it's what people want. I'm told that there's somebody on the line that wants to offer a comment. So we'll, we'll see how this goes. Hello, who's calling? Greetings in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is Pastor Don Jr., CEO. I'm with the Entertainment World. I network for 300 Strong. I love the topic of conversation. I have a question. Which one do you think is better, a boss or a leader? Well, you know, um, that's an interesting question, and I think that's part of what we're talking about. There's something I would have to say that, First of all, you don't even have to have someone following you in order to be a leader. And I think that's one of the mistakes that we sometimes make. We think that leaders have to have people behind them. Um, so when you talk about a boss versus a leader, I would say that if you're looking at it uh, from a straightforward point of view, the way that they try to set it up in some of the articles and information that you see out there is that the boss is the person who's kind of coming down hard on people and you know trying to get something done without looking you know at their you know their their bottom line or their really kind of drive them in a certain way that they may um, their process is more transactional and they're trying to get objectives and delegate tasks instead of being innovative and being transformational and developing a vision and finding a way forward with their, their people. Um, some people say that bosses tend to be more work-focused and the goal is to get things done, skilled at allocating work. Then leaders are more people-focused and the goal 
includes both people and so they care about you and want you to succeed. Um, you know, I think they say that bosses tend to look at people as subordinates and they create circles of power and they lead by authority, whereas leaders, you know, followers or, or team players or collaborators or whatever, they create circles of influence and try to lead by inspiring. And then I think another thing is that bosses like right, which is there's nothing wrong with doing things right, obviously. If you're not doing things right and you're not effective, then you're not in business or your enterprise won't succeed. But the point is that, you know, bosses, quote unquote, enact the existing culture and try to maintain the status quo, whereas the belief is that leaders like to do the right thing. And so they shape the culture and they drive integrity. So those are some of the things that, um, you know, have come up in the course of our work with leaders versus bosses. What do, what do you think? Oh, well, in my, I've been in business for over 20 years. When I was three months, I was carrying to a radio station. So I've seen both sides of the coin. At the same time, being an intern, now finally owning my own business, I've seen all sides of the coin. And when you're not the person that's putting out the effort and energy to bring on a major deal, you don't see the effort and energy that goes into things behind the scenes like, as an employee. So I think yeah. that leaders grab away. I'm listening. No, I'm still listening. You're you're making some good points. Well, I think at least guys the way a boss is going to say do as I do, not as I do, but a leader is going to actually show you the rope, stay in with you when it's not working, give you a contingency plan so you can get back in your square and see the project all the way to completion. You remind, your comments remind me of a friend that I have that's out there, and one of the things that he used to say, which is that you really don't understand business or whatever it is that's out there in operation until you get used to signing the front of a paycheck. Um, and, and your perspective, exactly, and so your perspective is very different. I mean, and there are, I, there are some people that I've known for many years who I respect who are in very high caliber employee relationships. They are employees. Um, and they have these ideas about how a business should be run, and they have ideas about how, you know, their quote-unquote boss or leader should effectuate. Um, and yet, when they burn their bridges or burn their ships, so to speak, and they go out and strike out on their own, then they finally understand, just like you said, wow. you know, the other side or the fuller picture of what it means to really be responsible and have some skin in the game for whatever it is that you're putting out there uh, for the public with your product or service. So I really appreciate your comments. Thank you. Thank Somebody you so much for opening your line. I appreciate yes, you. I got welcome. people calling in. I'm texting everybody. It's a good show. Thank you. Uh, I would offer that a boss to me um, is kind of the more colloquial version of a leaguer. When I deal with small business customers, they might think of their person as their boss. Obviously, they're also their leader. If they're good with people, they will tend to have staff that they've had for many years because they treat them well and there's a lot less turnover in employees. That's a sign to me that a business is fairly well run if they have the same employees and, they do, and they're able to be successful and stable. Obviously, um, when you get into larger businesses, you know, obviously you need the visionary leader who can inspire the bosses that are, I would call the middle managers, to do the right job. And that's where you can get into trouble with you might have a good boss or you might have a really bad boss. And good bosses, again, will treat their people well and have low turnover, and bad bosses drive people away in droves. 
and hopefully you don't have the bad boss. I'd say when the when the boss is a good boss, they're usually a good leader. Yeah, I, I would have to say, and I'm going to go to this other call that CJ has, um, you know, a lot of times you look at the collateral um, that subject matter experts have out there, and they try to draw a, a firm, straight line between bosses and leaders or managers and leaders. And I would have to um, say that it's oftentimes a squiggly line because it's really about leading on a continuum and learning. Because there, if, if you're looking for an environment where you can help your employees or people that are working with you or for you, if you provide them with the opportunity to learn, then that opportunity also has to exist for you. And you would have um, employees that would give you a bit of grace as you try to find your way um, and hopefully without doing too much damage to the entity as you you know kind of graduate towards towards a higher level of, of leadership. So let's go in and, and see who else we've got out here. You're on the air. We'll take your comments. Are you talking to 915? Yes. Okay. I just came in and I heard a little something. My name is Will Flux White. Um, I'm the director of programming over at Street Living Nation Television. I was just looking at the leaders and bosses. Um, yeah, I did have a couple of comments that flew through my head. Uh, a boss is somebody, I guess, who inherits a job, um, and they can tell you or they can facilitate what needs to be done. And I believe a leader is somebody who probably started at the bottom and they can do everything along the way. That's why they don't have a problem jumping and knocking things out real quick. That's just what I believe a leader is, somebody who leads by example because they're out there doing yeah. it with you, even though they do supervise. That's, that's, that's just something random. Beautiful. You know, and, and it really goes to the point that, you know, we have these people that think that it's a hierarchy. There's there's anything wrong with having someone to answer to. I mean, that's just the structure of business. But usually you're going to want someone who believes that we're all in this together, and it's a partner um, and a collaborator, and they you have to answer to them, and they have to answer to you. Because, you know, as I mentioned earlier, when that, that article that people are quitting, they, they said, you know, we don't have to put up with this. Uh, we have alternatives. We have options. I think that in some ways it may cause some temporary setback in terms of our economy or whatever. But from a cultural point of view, I think it has the opportunity to open up a conversation about how people should be treated and about how leadership should, should really look when, when you're talking about people that are putting their skin in the game to help a leader or a boss or an owner move forward with their objectives and with their mission to, to provide services and, and products to the public because you can't do it alone. So I, I really appreciate your comments. Do you have any other thoughts about that that you'd like to share before we move on? Well, ma'am, I, I would like to thank uh, Pastor Don June. He just sent me the text a couple of minutes ago. I saw it right on the phone. I happened to see the message about Paul. And uh, the caveat, a, a quick caveat, um, a boss, like I said earlier, inherits a job, um, and sometimes you do need a boss. I mean, I understand people need to be treated a certain way, but sometimes you need a boss to go in. Uh, there's no swing room. It's peak season. We need this done. Um, uh, a leader, on the other hand, can do both. He can come in. He can be strict when he needs to, and he can, like you said, he knows how uh, his individual employees need to be treated because you can't treat everybody the same way, and that's what a leader does. He can go in and see the, you know, the uniqueness of each individual. A boss, hey, these are the rules. 
get it done. Yeah, that was, that was it. Great. I appreciate your comments. Thanks for calling in. Yes, ma'am. So this conversation is kind of reminding me of um, another article that I saw. I think it was an Inc. article, and it was from Marcel Schwantz, or Schwantes. I don't know how he pronounces his last name, but the title of the article was Seven Brutal Truths About Leadership Not Too Many People Want to Hear. So there you go. Um, and to me, it's less about trying to delineate, again, who is or isn't a leader, and it's more about defining true leadership success, which is why I like this article. It was kind of saying, you may not be perfect, but here's kind of the way, and here are some truths to keep in mind while you're moving along that path. And so the first one was leaders must face conflict to avoid, to, I mean, to solve problems. Maybe that was a Freudian slip there, but to, to solve problems. And so obviously conflict is unavoidable, you know, where people are involved. But the point is that leaders have to be aware uh, and they have to cut through the conflict and they have to have active listening skills to understand a situation from all angles. And like the, the previous caller just said, you know, try to understand the individual and work with them based upon what those specific needs are. And then you can find um, better solutions by resolving an issue instead of running away from it and avoiding people. So that was one of the truths. And then the second one was that leaders have to grow their people, which was really a big one for me. Um, when you have a high degree of integrity and you make it a top priority to know your people, then that helps you to grow your people. Um, and then you can pour significant time into their lives through mentoring and by exposing them to new responsibilities that stretch their development. And so if you don't do that and it's just like go out there and get it done and, you know, crack in the whip, then, you know, it's kind of a lost opportunity to grow which you know, doesn't help you to form lasting relationships with them that can lead to results and lead to a level of loyalty can be your success. And then I think the third one was leaders must, must put up employees at customers. Now, this one was kind of interesting. We've grown up in a culture that customers and to a certain degree, I understand in context what that means. But every leader's role should be about serving the employees first because they're the ones that are closest to their customer experience. And if you realize your employees are your number one customer, and if you take care of your people and you train them and you empower them, those are the people that are going to become fully engaged about what they do, and then that's going to help them take care of the second most important customer, which is the people who, like I said before, who buy your products or your services. Um, and the other fourth one was that leaders must make the workplace safe. That goes back to, you know, not situation about COVID where people don't feel safe, but there's also a psychological um, factor here where if people don't feel free to speak up, if they don't feel free to, to make mistakes and experiment and, and to give feedback or to admit that they don't know something and ask for help, um, then that's, that's not an environment that's going to um, provide better learning and performance outcomes. And so it's important to not only have the physical safety of COVID-19 where you don't feel like people are going to be at risk, but the psychological safety um, which if you don't have it, it breeds fear, and then fear becomes detrimental to achieving, you know, a company's full potential. So that goes into the whole ism thing as well, um, sexism, racism, whatever you want to, you know, put in there. Those are things that if they're not uh, put in check, they, they can they can compromise the safety of your, your workspace. Um, and then I think leaders, you know, willing to listen to feedback was the fifth point, um, and, and operating an ecosystem instead of an ecosystem, and being able to listen to ideas and opinions and constructive feedback, you know, not only about, you know, how you're operating your business, but about maybe your own leadership, um, and, and being able to listen and understand and focus on the future and not rehash the past if there are mistakes. 
Um, and then this, the sixth one was that you should apply the strength of vulnerability. This is something that tends to be contentious because there are some bosses and even some leaders that feel like, you know, the best way to lead is through strength and power, and, and they don't see it as um, vulnerability as being sometimes the key. You know, when you're in the, the valleys, you can appreciate the peaks, and they don't see that as as something that they want to expose to their employees. But um, vulnerability, uh, it, it inspires trust in a lot of ways. And if people aren't uh, afraid to admit the truth, then, you know, they can can engage beyond ways of, of interacting that suck away time and energy and get in the way of accomplishing your goals. And then the, the final thing, um, number seven, which I loved about this article, is that you must act with love and care. It goes back to, you know, the prior uh, comment about vulnerability. Um, there's an emotional intelligence in, in authenticity and caring about people. Um, it's not just a feeling, it's a verb. It, 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 it's packed with action. It shows up in meeting the needs of others to get results, and you clear obstacles from people's paths. You empower them to succeed as workers and as human beings, so they have that um, that work-life balance, and they have an intrinsic value for both the leader and the employee, and in that environment, that is where you start to see people rating those CEOs as being the best on the planet because they get it. Um, and so I guess we can kick around you know, some of this stuff with case studies and variations on the same themes that are out there, but I think Marcel does a brilliant job of getting to the core issues. And I guess I'll, I'll uh, go with and and bring him in because he likes to say your mileage may vary. What do you think, Charles? I guess Charles isn't out there anymore. It wasn't, oh, there uh, you are. My mute wasn't. Uh, my mute button was hitting my phone just did not to let me unmute. Um, yeah, your mileage will vary. I, I think uh, an important, uh, I, mean, I don't know if you would call it a distinction, but what makes a boss a great leader or a great leader, you know, a decent boss, is uh, emotional content in their leadership. And um, I think if you're too focused on the business's bottom lines and not on your people, you're not doing triple bottom line, you're doing one bottom line, like for your business. And, you know, if you hack through your people, then they're not going to have the loyalty either. Um, I think I think that's, again, going to go back to the trends. There's a lot of people who've left businesses because it's unsustainable or unsafe for them to, to work in businesses. And sometimes they feel like they're working hard and, and the rewards to them as individuals, as workers, is not worth what it is to, you know, bosses and leaders. That um, and some good leaders have said, look, I'm going to pay all my employees well because my success in my business is because of my people working with me. And, um, you know, there's been a few of them that have been notable, um, like the one that was the San Francisco payment firm, uh, I forget the name of the uh, company, but, you know, he decided, you know, I'm going to pay all my employees, you know, a decent wage. I think it was a uh, base, base salary of 100000 a year or whatever he was doing at the time, you know, and it really inspires some loyalty. I can't say that everybody's going to do that, but it just goes back to your, you know, what's the EQ here? Are you leading, but are you leading from a point of view of understanding not only your business needs, but your, your, your personnel needs? and treating them as an important part of the success. And they're not just puzzle pieces to throw into your puzzle and your grinder and your metrics, but uh, treating people well will get better results. That's all I'd say. I hear that there's somebody else who wants to weigh in, so let's hear what they have to say. You're on the air. What are your comments and thoughts? Hello? 
I guess we'll go back and check. I'll have uh, CJ look in on that and see what that is. So we'll put that back, uh, trouble back in the studio. Yeah, could have been. Um, you know, I there's something. I think it was. I want to say it was Jack Welch who had a meme out there. Of course, assuming he he wrote it, of course, is when you were made a leader, you weren't given a crown. You were given the responsibility to bring out the best in others, and it kind of goes back to what we've been saying throughout the podcast, which is. Um, you know, that you kind of have to, um, you know, if, if what you're really looking at is trying to find a way to um, to lead without understanding that it involves serving, um, it's not just about persuading people to do things that they don't want to do. It's about inspiring people to do things they never thought they could. Um, and, and that's kind of that environment that you'll see people talk about leaders like, you know, I don't want to put people on the spot, but... You know, in my circles, we talk a lot about the way that, say, Satya um, Nadella at Microsoft, the way he leads um, and the culture and the way that he's changed the culture of Microsoft internally based upon – he hasn't been without some missteps, obviously, but, you know, just the way that he uh, tends to try to lead his organization has consistently um, landed him at the top uh, in terms of CEOs and leaders um, with Fortune 100 organizations. But um, – I think the other thing is that when you're dealing with uh, environments where people become quiet because they don't feel like they can speak up, I think that's when you'll start to see um, some things change in your organization, not necessarily from for the better. Um, and you know, trying to make sure that people understand that it's not just about being responsible for the job, uh, it's being responsible for the people who are responsible for the job. And that's kind of a Simon Sinek um, thing that I've seen before. I really like the way that he thinks as well. Um, I, I, you know, Again, I think I mentioned it earlier, when I'm dealing with clients, it's, it's important that I want them to understand that it's, it's, it's a positive to surround yourself with people of diverse perspectives. And it's okay to disagree without having fear of retaliation. And it's not about always having the right um, answers. I mean, I, I feel like if you're the type of consultant or advisor where someone always has to keep coming back with an IV drip to get more information from you, then not, you're not necessarily doing it right. It's, it's really about creating a culture or an environment with that client so that they develop the skill of asking themselves the right questions that they themselves can then uh, come up with the answers. And you've just basically provided them with, you know, a new way of thinking, some new strategies, uh, a new framework so that they can do that. It's not about hanging around and, and being revered as being the person with all the answers. So that's, that's kind of how I see it. I know some people see it differently, but um, let's go back and see if we can get this other person in. I'm getting pinged again. Hello, you're on the air. Do you want to say something? Hello, I'm um, just enjoying the information. It's uh, very um, informational. Um, this is Brother Grace out of uh, Williamsburg, Virginia, and um, good, um, good information. Good information. Thank you so very much. Well, thank you. And if you have any thoughts you want to share about some experiences that you've had, just raise your hand, let us know. We'll bring you back in. Okay. Thank you very much. Charles, do you have any other thoughts that you want to add? Uh, I think you I think you caught all the highlights. Um, I just think there's a there's a final level of being adaptable to circumstances. You know, um, I, I think there's lots of information about how to be a good leader and templates to follow and all that. But I also realize, and I think it's true, especially today, 
that in some cases is like because of COVID and other circumstances in the economy right now, we're kind of in untested times. And so it's requiring us to think differently and to respond to situations differently. And uh, I think another quality of a good boss is being adaptable. So that's what I would say is my final thought. Yeah, and I would say, you know, good leaders are good learners. Um, and if you want to lead, you need to grow. And it's, if, if you have an environment where you are um, – you're open to, you know, and not obviously you don't want employees that are constantly making mistakes because they can cost you. You can end up in litigation if they make a lot of mistakes depending on what you're offering. Um, but if you have an environment where they can grow and they can ask questions and they can have failures, failures and grow from them, then they become good learners. And then by doing so, then you become a good learner and then you kind of have a symbiotic relationship there. The last comment that I want to make or discussion point that I want to have about leadership is how we're actually working in our society to bring young leaders uh, into the fold and how we're helping them to gain leadership skills. And, and sometimes they're doing it in spite of us. Um, you know, there are some we, – we do a lot of work with, you know, young leaders. Some of them are, you know, 9, 10 years old. They know what they want to do. They are passionate about an idea or they go out there and they and they hit it and then you end up reading about them in Forbes 20 under 20 or 30 under 30, and they are amazing. Um, you know, sometimes there's some parental involvement there, you can tell, but other times they're just on fire. And the best thing that you can do is get out of their way. Um, and and I've, I've met a lot of these, these leaders, and some of the things that they say um, as student leaders or whatever is that they run into a situation where, on the one hand, we as adults – um, say that we really want them to rise up because, you know, they're our future and blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, if they don't, quote, unquote, know their place and they don't bow down or give us the respect we believe we deserve when they're challenging us, you know, then that creates that creates an issue because leadership is about holding people accountable. Um, and if you start to look at them like, oh, they're there, it's it's great that you're leading. Now go back to you know to school and be a nice young little person. Then I think we're missing the point because there are some people out there that that have a stronger grasp on their mission and their goals than even some adults. And, you know, if you're not facilitating that and instead you're bringing your ego in and you're trying to get them to to bow down to you and kiss your ring, then, you know, I, I think that we're missing some, some really um, some quality um, obli- uh, um, opportunities here. So, I, I mean, I've met a lot of them, and sometimes it's just you learn from them. I mean, you have to be your, – your ego has to be strong enough to be able to say, oh, my goodness, I just learned something from this 12-year-old. Um, and I think that that's one of the, the potentials that we need to um, to tap into more as adults that have these um, – children and these youth that are coming to us for guidance and coming to us for, um, you know, some assistance as, as we try to strike a path with them towards um, our betterment as a society. Any other final thoughts before I wrap up? Well, I was going to say, I think one of the things driving young leaders more is the environment and the changes in the environment and the damage to the environment and the fact that we're dealing with you know, climate change. And older leaders um, are sometimes more adept or more, I would say, oriented towards, you know, legacy methods that have worked. But I think younger leaders are kind of coming to a point where they say, look, we can't continue to do business as usual. So they're more willing to disrupt things, and we're uncomfortable with that. And I think there's a part of us that all have to be uncomfortable with that. And it might come down to, well, maybe you don't need to own a car. 
maybe you don't need to build that house or maybe you don't need to do X, Y, and Z the way we've always done things because, you know, the planet's having troubles and we have to change. And that's a hard, that's a hard message to, hurt, to hear if a leader's been successful for many years and they think they know how to do everything and here comes some young, you know, 20-year-old telling them how, to, how they need to change their business and to walk away from customers or certain business models or, you know, stop burning gas and stop using propane to heat their house or something. And that's, well, I think we need to be willing to listen to that because I really think we've come to a point where we have to do new things. And, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to get out of the way thinking somebody is not nearly as experienced as you, but they're coming with a different perspective. So um, I guess that's my final thought is be open to change because change is coming whether we want it or not. That's true. And, and, of course, I'm not trying to say that just because someone is young and on fire that they already know the way and, and they know everything there is to know. But, of course, the counterpoint to that is that all adults don't know everything there is to know either. It doesn't matter how long we've been here. We're not omniscient. We all have opportunities to learn. And I think that, you know, you raised a valid point about the the – there's a comfort, but there's also a complacency. And if we've got all of our accoutrements and we're, you know, comfortable in those things and someone comes up with a worldview that's going to disrupt that, then some people don't realize it, but they start fighting for that and they start elbowing some of the young voices out of the room. And, and these young voices, especially the ones that I've been meeting, they are not backing down. And I, I love that fire. I love that passion. I love that courage. Um, I think that there are some there's some downsides or cons to that, but I think that if you have people who are engaged and if you really want to see change and if you really are a leader, you have to find a way to help them reach their goals um, and, and, and give them the information and the tools or even help them create them um, innovatively so that they can so that we can all so we can all benefit from that. So I think that's kind of where I stand on that that issue. I'm getting a, a signal that I can uh, I can actually wrap up. So look, and look at that. All right. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Um, listen to this podcast on our website, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM. We'll upload the show to our Facebook page, which is STR8 Talk Radio. Sammy, Tommy, Roger, the number eight, and Talk Radio. This is Donia Keating. I'm signing off at about 2.42 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Wednesday, December 8th. See you next time.